we've got some fresh Hey, I'm Luis. And I'm Luis. And you're listening to the Content is Profit podcast. We spent the last four years learning the strategies and techniques from some of the top marketers in the world on how to create content that turns into profit. If you'd like to learn more about how to turn your content into profit, go to contentisprofit.com. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, guys, today... How to outrank your competition in Google without paid ads. <laughs> Beautiful. Yes. Who, who, who doesn't want to learn that, right? Oh, man, I want it. Yeah, that sounds pretty good. All right. So before we get started, guys, please go ahead and subscribe. Hit smash that subscribe button on the Content is Profit podcast. And don't forget to follow us on social media at Beast Bros Go Everywhere. That's right, guys. And if you find this episode impactful, which I am sure you will, don't forget to share it with everybody and and leave a five-star review. All right. So have you ever said to yourself, wow, how cool would it be that one website that shows up first on Google? Well, then today's your lucky day. Today's guest is a cream de la cream on SEO world. Did I say that? Did I say that right? <laughs> Probably not. Creme de la creme. We do the French accent. <laughs> he will help you. <laughs> Rewind. He will help you get to that top spot in Google. That is right, guys. That's so exciting. To be honest, this is probably one of those topics we don't know that much about. I'm so freaking curious about what we'll be learning today. Do you even know the impact that ranking on top of Google would do to your business? Mind blowing. Today's guest can help you show up higher on Google without running ads. He has outranked a billion dollar company. He has worked with Inc. 5000 and Shark Tank featured companies and... You better go get his book outranked right now. Guys, he is the real deal. Please welcome book author, SEO wizard, and the outrank master, Mr. Damon Burton. Hey, hey, can I just, I need your energy. Can I just watch instead of being a guest? I'm just going <laughs> to hang out and watch you guys. <laughs> of course, my man. Damo, thank you so much for joining us today. This is an exciting day in the history of Content is Profit Life. The first time we actually do it on a Tuesday, I think. Uh, uh, two things. The first time we do it on a Tuesday and the first time we cover SEO. So, hey. Hey. Double win right uh, there. Double win. <laughs> so, well, thank you, man. Fuck, thanks for missing the game. I had, here, here's, here's me showing my appreciation. I brought a cowbell. <laughs> Let's go. That's awesome. And I man. thank you so much that I brought the mega cowbell. Oh my! <laughs> For those listening, guys, before we actually went live, uh, we were explaining how Fonzie it's uh, missing his Arsenal game. He's a big Arsenal fan, and today he's committing to the content and committing to Damon here <laughs> because this topic is so amazing. Yeah. And, uh, and we feel like everybody needs to know about this. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious, Damon, why the cowbells? Uh, no reason. <laughs> hey, that's fine, right? We no, just I need. Think, I think I got. 
To be honest, I think I got them because we were doing like an ad a couple years ago that we were testing out for a course. And <laughs> at some point it was part of like the ad and it was so stupid that I just put them in the closet. <laughs> it's okay. Now, now it's now just became the joke for Fonzie missing the Arsenal game. Every time that happens, we're just going to ring a, cow, a cowbell. cowbell. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Dude, Damon, so... Uh, Let's let's go back a little bit. You know, you we know now that you're like the the MVP of SEO, uh, but how did that journey actually start? Like, who's Damon? Like, why are you doing this? And uh, what are you doing now? Yeah, so um, well, I founded SEO National 13 years ago. Um, who's Damon? I'm a husband and a father of three. Uh, so that's the personal side of me, but you know, on the SEO side, I got into it because uh, of passion. I had a car enthusiast website when I was in my early twenties, I made a little car hobby site and showcase uh, different vehicles. And then I just kind of stumbled across the traffic logs before, before analytics came along, or at least before I was aware of analytics, you know, 15, 20 years ago, there was a program called Webalizer that I was using. And then it, it told me the traffic and I said, holy cow, I'm getting traffic because it was totally just a hobby thing. And I never looked at it and I said, okay, cool. How do I get more? And so then I got into saying, how do I improve my design skills? And then as I made the website better, the traffic increased, I said, how do I monetize this? And so then I got into marketing. And, and so I did the kind of side hustle thing for a couple of years. And then one of my design clients said, what do you know about Google? And I said, well, I know enough that we can experiment. And so we just killed it on that first client. And I said, that was Amazing. fun. Let's kind of do that with client number two and just killed it again. And, and at that moment, I said, SEO is my thing and just moved the entire process towards SEO. And here we are 13 years later. Wow. I just want to say 13 years. Yeah. Because lately... A lot of people are like, okay, overnight success. No, no, no. Listen again, 13 years. That's what it takes. Yeah. That's why Damon is in the position that he's at. And we're so fortunate to have him here talking about this wonderful thing. So thank you for sharing that that amazing story and amazing congrats on the family too. Yeah. That's very important. Yeah. I mean, I, I love yeah. the, the long-term reference there because I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think SEO is a long-term game, mm -hmm. right? And I think most people yeah. avoid it in a certain way or, or don't get into it because of the yeah. fact of being long-term. Yeah, I mean, SEO, the only downside to SEO is just that. Like, you got to be patient with it. But, like, if you're willing to put in the time to do it right, then it usually has a way bigger payoff at a way lower cost. You know, if you do ads, I'm not the type of marketer that says SEO is the only way. You know, paid ads can work, funnels can work, that's great. But, like, with those, the disadvantages is you have to burn money to figure out what works. Like, you have to run some crappy ads. Yeah. You have to figure out why they're crappy and then, and then continually improve that. And then if you want to increase your sales, you have to spend more money mm -hmm. or like what's going on right now with the virus and maybe you have to tighten your budget, which is understandable, then you're going to decrease your sales and your leads. But with SEO, you don't have that problem. Once, I mean, you really have to screw it up to fall from the top. If you do it the right way, once you're there, like you're locked in. So when this whole virus thing started rolling out, you know, my clients are none the different. They're just trucking along just fine because they don't have to start freaking out about their ad budget and changing things around. That's wow! Amazing. Yeah, that is that is pretty cool. That uh, it, I, I'm I'm very curious, right? In this journey of like, when, since you started your uh, you know, your company SEO National, um, and then everything that you've learned throughout these 13 years, right? Sometimes we came from mm -hmm. the from the brick and mortar industry, right? A lot of a lot of smaller businesses, a lot of this, and and sometimes they might get dragged to that instant gratification 
uh, feeling, right? I'm, I want to run these ads because I want leads now, 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 right? And uh, what we've been finding out through these interviews is is that point of the long game, right? So how, when you first started, was this a thing that a lot of people that you were looking for in your clients, that you were looking for in companies that you're like, they understand this topic or what level of education it requires to get them to that point? And the reason I'm asking this is because obviously, uh, we're, we're high, very big promoters on the creation of content on, you know, at a macro mm -hmm. level on how do we multiply those points of contact to educate your audience. So I'm very curious to see, like on your agency side of the process, what was that like? Uh, what is it? Did it take a, a, a like a massive amount of uh, teaching or indoctrination into this new process is that I'm assuming this was like something very new to these companies back then? Or if I'm wrong, what happened? No, you're totally right when you say back then. It's kind of come in different phases. So when I started the agency, I was the more on the budget provider. Now I'm more on the top end. So when we were the budget provider, the, the reason why I did that is, is, you know, obviously as a business owner, you want more sales, but I'm very moral and ethically driven. And so when I would bring on a new client, I would communicate with them like, hey, you know, I'm going to provide a good value for a good price because there's probably other things that we still need to learn. So when I first yeah. started being the budget provider, I was just transparent about that. But hey, we're definitely going to bring a return. Are, are we going to skyrocket you as much as like the top guys? Probably not, but you're definitely going to get your return. So in that phase, it was, you know, much, much about sharing the journey with them. Like, here's what we're trying now. Here's the progress you've made. And here's what we're going to do next. Mm. Nowadays, it's, it's a lot different. Nowadays, I'm the top end provider uh, price of entry with clients is several thousand dollars per month and so education is very important so I really make a strong effort and we built processes with my team to educate the client because the more that we can educate them the better they can help us help yeah. them with a successful campaign so when we're talking to them we say you know the, the problem that a lot of other SEO providers have is because SEO takes time they they use that to present smoke and mirrors and they're like well it's gonna take a year and that's just the way it is and then they leave their clients hanging and so i do the opposite i say hey we're going to be in this for at least a year mentally commit to a year not because i want to lock you in but because i want you to know that you need to give this enough time for it to prove its value because if you pull the plug three months into it you're just burning three months of money but then i take it a step further and i say here's why it takes that long we have to do all of these things And this first cycle takes two months just to do the research and build the content strategy. Then we got to write all those things that we did the research on. Yeah. Then we have to wait for Google to find those things. So we make a real strong effort to say, hey, here's what we're doing. Here's why it takes us long. Here's what we need from you. Here's what we're going to take off your shoulders and do in-house. These are the minimum requirements. Like We really try and say, okay, we're going to do it all so it's easy for you and you just need to green light it and approve it. That's, wow. a, that's yeah. amazing. I, I love the big emphasis on communication there with your clients. I mean, I I don't think we hear this often, but I've heard it from the the really good entrepreneurs. That is, communication is key, and I don't think people put that much emphasis mm -hmm. on it. And it's it is so important that the fulfillment side of it yeah. and setting clear expectations. Yeah, I love it. So. You you like I, I'm just like perplexed because it from those 13 years right you took it very simple on like it, it boils down to these simple things and you're making your customers 
successful by following that very specific framework because that's what you do now. For those mm -hmm. who have no idea what SEO means, what is a, a very yeah. basic introduction to SEO? Sure, super easy to explain. It stands for search engine optimization. The goal is to show up higher on search engines for words that you can monetize, but without paying for ads. So that's a super simple explanation. Now we can get into the, the fulfillment that can get technical, but then there's even simple ways to explain the fulfillment too. But at the end of the day, the goal is to make money by showing up on Google without paying for it. Yeah, I mean, who wouldn't like that, right? <laughs> who wouldn't like to show up in Google without having to pay them? That would be absolutely amazing. Um, so, I mean, I know obviously the SEO game has evolved uh, a long time ago. You know, you had all these people like putting uh, links everywhere, uh, trying to create, uh, I don't know the, the exact terms, you know, you might have to correct me here, but they were trying to mm -hmm. create all these like backlinks and they had like a bunch of fake ones and then google like slapped yep. them all in the hand and it changed the algorithm yeah. and it, I, i guess it changed the game all over again um did you experience any of that those changes how did it relate it in your business and how like how do you think it levels the playing field right between companies and people that are trying to rank in google Yeah, there's a lot of fun things I can share on that. So the, the two main things that you're talking about were algorithms in 2011 and 2012. So in 11, there was an algorithm called Panda, which focused on quality content. And in 2012, there's an algorithm called Penguin, which focused on backlinks. And so we can kind of break those down further. But before I kind of break those down, you know, listeners need to know that Google changes their algorithm daily. Oh, wow. And then they have you know, medium to large algorithm updates probably every few weeks, certainly every few months. So, I mean, it's hundreds of times, if not thousands of times per year that it changes. So the fact that we're talking about two algorithms specifically mm. shows how massive of a change to the algorithm that they were. So what, what happened and what caused these algorithm changes was Panda focused on content. So as you said, people would just kind of stuff keywords. And, and so Google would rank your website based on, you know, part of it was, How, how clearly can you communicate what you offer, what your product, what your service is? And so back then you would just like repeat your thing over and over and over. Yeah. And then backlinks is when another website links to your website. So that's like a vote in the popularity contest. And so what happened is the, the more clearly SEOs understood that that influenced rankings, the more they manipulated it. And so Google came along and said, all right, we need to, you know, like you said, level the playing field. We need to correct course on this. And what they did is they, with the content algorithm, they came in and said, okay, now we're going to identify duplicate content and we're going to identify, you know, timestamps, who posted the content first or which website is more credible than the other. And then depending on their own decision, everybody else gets penalized for it. Mm. And so same kind of thing with backlinks. They came in and said, okay, it's no longer a quantity game. It's much more a quality game. And so it used to be maybe 50-50, you know, the more links plus the good credible websites. Then it became like 90-10, like yeah. 90% quality, 10% quantity. And so the way it impacted me was awesome because <laughs> I I always was like paranoid and wore my tin hat. And I was like, holy cow, if I can detect these patterns in all these automated, mass-produced, low-quality, crappy backlinks, horrible written content, 
Google is way smarter than I am. And so they definitely can. This can't last forever. And so we never really got into that really messy kind of stuff. And so when those algorithms came out, it was awesome. Because what happened is, uh, unfortunately, a lot of businesses were impacted negatively, but not any of my clients. We ended up growing a bunch because these businesses came to us and said, holy crap, our SEOs tanked us. They don't know how to fix it. Can you help? So we actually grew quite a bit during those years. That's amazing. I, I, yeah. I, I, I find fascinating the, the history. And, you know, we talked about this in previous episodes, too. It's like we need to know where things come from if we want to make improve, like improvements in, in the future. Yeah, kind of like and the history better. of the market, right? Yeah. So with... I just find fascinating. Wait, too wait, that. Before you go in there, before you go in there real quick. Yeah. You know, I, I find fascinating that the people that were trying to find the shortcuts are the ones that, you know, like mm-hmm. they were like, hey, goodbye. Like, this is not how, how it works. Right. Yeah. And I mean, that talks a lot first about Google, right, that they are trying to, you know, bring the best experience to the users. And it also talks greatly not only about you, but those other SEO people that were actually doing the things in a legit way, uh, ethically and morally, um, because you guys were like, you guys were following the rules. And I see it as compound interest, right? Like you guys started here taking actions step by step and it has grown over time and you guys have built it and built that authority over time. And, And it was by actually following these rules that Google had established for their platform, right? So... I just wanted to mm-hmm. mention that because a lot of people I know, especially uh, <laughs> starters, entrepreneurs, I know I was one of those that are like, what is the fast path? What is the shortcut? And sometimes the shortcut yeah. is not the answer. Sometimes the answer is just to take consistent action and build that compound interest. So Exactly. Yeah, I mean, consistency is the key. Yeah, go for it, Lewis. Now, Damon, is, uh, it's SEO like something that beginners can tackle right away? Or is something that you might like start building something, right? And uh, spend a couple of years in uh, in the online world, right? And then get into it. Like, what's the point of entry? How do people like go about it? Like, what are some things that they can do uh, in either level? What do you recommend? Yeah, why don't I break it down a couple different ways? So that there, you can certainly get really technical and really deep and really specific on SEO. But if you think it from about it from the most simplistic way, it's it's primarily just two things. One thing is how good is your website, the mm-hmm. structure, what's called on-page optimization, and then the second thing is how good is your credibility externally, off-page optimization. So we can kind of dig deeper in those now. They're on the on-page optimization, you, you know, Fonzie had a great point. Like Google wants to provide the best user experience. So if you think about how can you just make Google look good? Because Google is going to make you look good if you make them look good. Mm. So if you provide a good answer, good value proposition, good user experience, good user, you know, intuitive navigation, user-friendly website, mobile-friendly, then Google's going to say, hey, that's a better experience than if we send it to Damon's competitor who has a slower website. It's not mobile-friendly. It's not unique content. It doesn't solve any problems. So if you just help Google keep bringing back searchers because that's how they make their money, that they're going to show you higher. So you don't have to complicate this. Now, I can answer, you know, where people can start a, a couple different ways. One is I have a workshop going on this week. Yes. Okay. <laughs> okay. 
So damonburton.com slash workshop. I'm doing a five-day workshop. We're two days into the five days. But what's perfect about chatting with you guys now is on day four, we're digging heavy into content. So I'm going to go super deep into that. Nice. But what we can do is like if you're a listener and you want to talk, you want to undertake SEO on your own, the, I'll give you some free tools that you can use and the, the easiest places to make some progress. So the first thing you want to do is make sure your design is mobile friendly and loads quickly because these are kind of like the easier things to do. So a free website you can go to is, is GT Metrics. It's the letters G T and then M E T R I X dot com. Just go there, punch in your website, and it's going to say, hey, this, these things, these images, these programs, these whatever, it'll give you very specific answers as to what is slowing down your website and how to correct it. Mm. So go fix that. Um, if you're somewhat web savvy, you should be able to understand or forward it to your marketing guy. Um, if you want a, a more simplistic free tool, you can search Google PageSpeed Insights. It's this long URL, so you're going to have to go search <laughs> it. But if you go there, it's like this, it's like the same thing as GT Metrics, but it's it's in easier terms to understand. So that's good and bad though. That's good because if you're not familiar with terminology, then that'll kind of generalize it for you. Yeah. But if you know what you're doing, then it's going to be a little too generic. So depending on your level of expertise, go visit one of those two things. Now, what I would also emphasize is don't overthink your design. Mm. Historically speaking, the more simplistic your design, the less confusing, the more direct to the call to action the better it converts. So don't feel like you have to have a Mona Lisa of a website. Usually you can just be like, this is good enough, but my content is awesome. And your content should be awesome because you're the expert, you're the subject matter expert. So you should be able to come in and say, here's why I'm awesome. Here's why you should buy my thing. Here's all the problems for you that it solves. And just put that in a you know basic website. Like don't overthink this. That's so that's where I would start is the, the user experience. That's amazing. I, I will even like skip this website and just go straight to your workshop. <laughs> that's it. Uh, if you're listening, guys, please go ahead and uh, and this is completely free, right, Damon? Totally free. Yeah. So DamonBurton.com/slash/workshop. I don't ask for a credit card or nothing. You just punch it in, and, and once you put in your email, I'll send you the links. Amazing. That's so awesome. I, I think that is the best place to get started. And thank you for sharing uh, these amazing tips because yeah. just like everybody listening right now, maybe, right? This is something that we are, and we're chatting off camera that we are very new to this, right? And we're like, okay, we have to go ahead and start thinking about these things. But one of the really key points that you mentioned here is the relationship of your business with Google. And mm -hmm. we've always go back with content with the rela your relationship with your audience. And at this point, you're trying to sell your your website to Google so they can rank up. So it, I feel like those same rules apply, right, to on the SEO side and your business and your website on, okay, how can mm -hmm. I, you know, play the game the best way that I can? I don't need to create any friction. Let me remove all the friction that Google is actually telling me yeah. the rules to follow and actually go ahead and do this. So I believe that people tend to overcomplicate a lot of things when in reality, it's like right in front of them, it's like, these are the simple steps that we got to follow mm -hmm. one, two, three and go follow them and you're going to have success. So thank you for sharing that path. And uh, yeah, it, it, it just opened up my mind to, to new possibilities, which is amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's like well, the, you're, you're totally right. Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, you nailed it because Google basically says treat us like a customer. So you don't mm -hmm. have to go. How do I how do I how do I solve the problem of a customer and trick Google? Like it, it's the same, it's the same, you eliminate the tricking part and you just help the customer. Like what does a customer want? They want to go to a website that when they click on it, it shows them content quickly and they're not waiting. 
They want to go to a website that answers their questions. They want to buy the thing that solves their problem. So if you can make a customer happy, then those are largely the same things that Google looks at, which then makes Google happy. That's pretty awesome. Um, I do have a question, you know, because a lot of the people that we talk to the market at first, you know, like when, when we're trying to find our, our market, um, is that click funnels world, which is direct response marketing. I'll, there's a lot of ads in there involved, right? There's a lot of mm -hmm. uh, funnels. Um, so I'm I'm curious, right? Like, is is click funnels good for SEO? What would you recommend to people in there? Because I I believe 100% in a balanced strategy. Like you said, you know, like you believe in ads; they do their purpose as mm -hmm. well. But I think you need to have a good foundation as well. I I totally believe SEO. Yeah is one of the most important, uh, no, I don't know if resources, right, out there um, that people need to implement, yet because of they want speed, they don't, they don't do it, right? Mm -hmm. so, so what would be yeah. your, your preferred, um, you know, place to start? And would it be video? Like what, what medium would you use as well? Yeah, so great, great question. Um, and I actually have a real timely example. So we just launched a new a new client this morning. Um, she's a top 1% attorney across the whole US. And so she's she's come to us and says, Hey, I'm doing really well on YouTube driving traffic to my funnel, but I have zero SEO. So I want to kind of blend them together. So we'll answer this a couple ways. The first question is, is ClickFunnels good for SEO? No. So <laughs> that's not to say that ClickFunnels is bad, but the problem you run into ClickFunnels is the same problem that you run into. I'm going to, I'm going to categorize different backends. So on, on one side we have ClickFunnels and then we have free website builders like Wix and Weebly. Then on the other side you have content backends and e-commerce backends like WordPress, Shopify, and BigCommerce. So the main difference between the two is that on WordPress and the other platforms, like you have access to the backend, you have access to the template, you have access to the files. On ClickFunnels and Wix and Weebly, you only have access to as much as that platform will let you touch. Mm -hmm. So the problem that you run into is you don't have access to optimize everything that you want to optimize. So like in ClickFunnels, if you want to add... Um, you know, there's a thing called schema, which is when a website, when Google comes to your website, it basically says, okay, I think this is the content, follow the link. I think this is what they're offering, follow the next link. I think this is what the page is about. But what schema does is it's a little snippet of code that says, no, Google, I am telling you definitively, this is my product. This is the product description. This is the price. This is the name of it. Zero mm -hmm. questions asked. Like you can't add that schema in the same way in click yeah. funnels that you could in WordPress. Mm. So there's just like little things like that, that because you don't, you know, own the product, like you don't own click funnels, but yeah. you can own your installation of WordPress. Like you, you just can't access those things. So for that reason, there's just some things you can't take advantage of. Now with the client, um, the attorney client that I was mentioning, her funnels are doing awesome. She's just killing it. And guess what? We're not going to touch them. And so what we do is on top of that, we marry building the site on WordPress. So we actually just this morning, about three hours ago, we over the last couple of weeks, we had been recreating and reverse engineering her design because her design was awesome. It was on Wix and we recreated it into WordPress so we could touch and feel and optimize more things. And we didn't touch yeah. her funnels. But now what we can do to get the best of both worlds is now we optimize her website. Now we optimize her content. And then the call to action is go buy the thing on ClickFunnels. Yeah. So mm -hmm. you can build up your exposure, but then push them into your funnel. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah, that is pretty cool. You know, and something that I'm thinking here uh, as you're speaking is uh, ad fatigue, right? You know, like when you run ads, 
they they pretty much have a, a life a lifespan you know mm -hmm. they're gonna die eventually and when i think about seo and content you know how many times have i like typed something in google and find an article that was written like 10 years ago and i'm like whoa yeah, like yeah. how is this thing still relevant right and it is actually relevant so that surprised me because mm -hmm. i mean find me an ad that has lasted 10 years right for example like yeah it, it'll yeah. probably be if if it's not impossible it's gonna be very very difficult um so that that's well, something that attracts me a lot is the the longevity of the game i guess well here here's why with ads you're targeting demographics and demographics and trends change society yeah. changes with with seo you're targeting buyer intent you're targeting mm. you know you're answering a question that doesn't change you know whatever the topic is about is still about that but your ads tire and fatigue because they don't perform as well but with seo you answer a question and if that question is still relevant you know google came out with an algorithm update a while back called caffeine and what caffeine does is it says okay um, the example i always give is like olympics so let's say there's olympics um you know this this winter then if you go and type a search question in google it's gonna it's gonna calculate and say hey there's olympics this year so damon probably wants to know about this year's olympics but then in two years or three years when there's not olympics then it goes damon probably wants to know about the last time yeah or this other thing so it largely answers questions and calculates the relevancy exactly as you said so if you're seeing things that are 10 years old showing up it's because that still solves the problem it's still a great answer wow. to whatever the question is That is, that is pretty cool, you know, and actually I see here that we have a question coming in and somebody is asking, does it help? Is that what that beeping was? <laughs> the beeping, maybe, I don't know. Was it? <laughs> maybe, we also have like, some music. We, 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 should put, we should put like the, the cowbell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> When we get a, a, a comment, we should have a cowbell there, coming there out. There you go, yeah. Ding, yeah. Ding. I heard something beeping. Like, what's going on here? It's, oh, it, it's, it's probably the music. We have some music on the background usually. Yeah. Um, but the question says, does it help to have links back to your social media profiles so everything is linked? Um, yes and no. All right, so here's the problem. So I'll answer the yes first. The yes is because you want consistency. There's a thing called NAP. It stands for name, address, phone. So if you're a business and you... Um, You want your profiles across different entities to be consistent. Same name, same address, same phone number. Mm. And so the problem that that creates if it's not consistent is let's say you go to Facebook and you have your business on there yeah. and it says one phone number, but then on your website you have a different one for call tracking. Then Google's going to say, well, I see these, I see these, these, credible profiles and i'm pretty sure this is damon's business but there's some inconsistencies on here so either one of them's wrong or something's off so we're we're not going to show it or we're not going to trust it as much so there is a benefit in having all of those consistent consistently um you know the profile data consistent and then interconnecting them so google goes okay yeah damon's telling me these are all related but here's the no is if you link them on your website then you're going to send your visitors down a rabbit hole. So let's say I, I let's say I go to Google, I type a thing, I go to your website, and then I'm like, yay, this solves my problem. Oh, wait, Facebook. I want to go see what their Facebook is about. Then I go to Facebook. Then I get distracted by my friends, and then I never come back. 
then what happens is they left your website. That's called a bounce rate. Mm. The worse your bounce rate is, then it's going to start to say, well, people come here and then they leave. Mm. So maybe this isn't the right answer. Maybe I should show their competitor where people stay longer. So it, it kind of depends on your industry. Like in some cases, with with the attorney that I mentioned that we launched today, I told her to rem- we want to pull her Instagram off her website for for two reasons. One is to avoid the rabbit hole because she said she had these big. Her Instagram's awesome. She has tons of followers. The content's great, but it doesn't support SEO. Like we want to keep them on the website, exactly. not send them away from it. And then the other problem that you can run into is is those live feeds. If it's like a Facebook stream or an Instagram feed that you embed on your website, because that pulls in an external script, it slows down the page speed. And so then Google's going to say, hey, this page isn't loading as quickly as it could. It's not a good user experience. And then you can potentially get dinged for it. So oh, wow. usually I, I try to avoid linking out, at least prominently, you know, if you want to put it down yeah. in the footer just because if people are looking for it. But I wouldn't make it like a main focus. So, so you are, so you also need to take into consideration. I am linking to a fast website, a website with a, another good experience, right? Um, would that would you link back to like a different article inside your own website? Would that help? Yeah, you can interlink your content for sure. And and what you want to do is, you know, that's another beautiful thing about WordPress. There's um, a plugin that I like to use called WPA Autolinker, and what this this little extension does is you can put in topics and keywords that you consistently talk about or you have core pages about so that way as you blog about them anytime that word is mentioned it automatically links it for you wow. so that way you don't forget to add it now the value in doing that is that then when the the content's interconnected then you're telling google like hey this is related And then especially if you're blogging consistently and then over and over and over, let's say you're, you're 100 blogs deep and 20 of them, every time you say this certain thing links to the certain page, then Google's going to say, hey, that's like a core page. That's a core pillar page. And that has all the value because all this other content keeps supporting it. So yeah, yeah. it helps, it helps you know, hold Google's hand and direct them towards your most important content. That, that's pretty cool. It's amazing. The more, the more yeah. we talk with you, Damon, we, uh, we understand how human this behavior is. And I think that's probably what Google is trying to mimic, right? It's like, okay, how, how do we think? What are the answers that we need to give to this other person? And I think that's fascinating because it allows us to understand how this backend system work so then we could implement right away in our business and attract more people to the solutions that we're providing, which ultimately that's what you want to sell. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, no, no, I agree 100%. And we actually have another question coming in. <laughs> uh, and it says, does posting regularly improve your ranking? Uh, let's see. Oh, improve your ranking on blogging daily over weekly. It depends on the content. The quality is, is better than quantity. So, oh, okay. so there's two there's two types of algorithms that get factored in on content. So on one end, Google wants a trusted, reliable, consistent website. So you want your core pages that, for the most part, stay the same. You know, your homepage, you don't switch up too often, unless maybe you're e-commerce and you're swapping out products. Your About Us page doesn't change too often. Your Contact Us page doesn't change too often. Your Services page doesn't change too often. So you want those rock-solid pages that are optimized real well and have good content and solve problems problems. In addition to that, though, there's that caffeine algorithm that I mentioned. And so the the word caffeine was dubbed because you think like, you know, hyperactivity and action. And, and so that's how the algorithm comes into play is it says, okay, yeah. what's new? What's fresh? 
And so there is value in fresh content too, just like the Olympic example. If nobody else talked, blogged about Olympics, and here we are 20, 30, 40 years later, and all we have is old old stuff, well, that's not going to answer the searcher's question, and yeah. that's going to make Google look bad. So there is a benefit to rock-solid, consistent, stable pages, and then ongoing content. But you know, daily versus weekly, I, I would not pay attention to frequency as much as how good the content is. So like a good example we can give is we historically, with our SEO national clients, we, we would average four blogs per month. You know, some clients more, some less. But on average, we would do about one per week. On those, um, I'm going to answer two questions because one is on frequency and I'm assuming this this person and or other people may also ask about keyword count, like how long do you make your articles? Mm-hmm. So what we found is I, I we don't pay attention to keyword count because I want to I want to solve a problem I want to answer a question and if I feel like I need to force myself or my writers need to force ourselves to reach a thousand words but we we nailed the question at 700 then those other 300 are gonna suck like it's just gonna be blabbering it's gonna yeah. take away the value it's gonna dilute the answer so I would focus on quality way more now I can tell you an average keywords we, we don't aim for it but on average, you know, it's probably 1,200 words. And so what we found was we would do, we used to do weekly and we averaged probably 800 words per piece. Yeah. And then we started A-B testing about two years ago saying, okay, is it better to have an average of four blogs per month at 800 words versus two per month, but we still put in the same amount of time as writing four, but now they're like 1,200 to 1,500 words, not yeah. because we're counting words, but because we're doing more research exactly. and we're providing better value and better content. And it was very clear that the longer form content with, with better quality performed better. So we've wow. moved all of our clients to a shorter frequency, but higher value content. That's incredible. And, yeah. and I think like that was actually the next phase of the show that I wanted to steer this into the content side of things, right? Because uh, with social, we talk a lot about those points of contact that you might have with your audience on a frequently and consistently basis, right? Like every single day you're pressing, you're communicating with them, you know what happens. And on our end, you know, we work with a lot of organic content and it seems to be working really well with us and our clients, but I'm very interested to know like, okay, that safety net of, you know, value packed information that could be your website, right? What does that look like there? So I'm uh, like, I'm super fascinated to the the difference that those are and the roles that those two strategies can take your business to new levels, right? So uh, that that's amazing. And thank you for everybody that's uh, asking these questions online because, uh, yeah, you guys are, are hitting hitting the jackpot. I love also that you, ta- that you said we don't really pay attention to the keyword count. And it goes back to the relationship and the value that you're building with your audience because you're solving their problem. As long as you're solving their question or answering their question and uh, people stay on that page, um, that should be the key metric corrected to to determine if that is a, mm-hmm. a good piece of content moving forward. Um, how do you guys come up with that type of content? Is there a research that you guys do ahead of time? Is it by the flow? What's people mm-hmm. asking? How do you guys come up with that content? Yeah, tons of research. So even before we get into writing content, we can go one step before that is we research the keywords. So the reason why you research the keywords is because you need to know what's going to make you money. Like what's the point of optimizing your website for what you think maybe might 
but maybe might not. And so if you're writing yeah. content around the maybe words, then you're going to maybe have success <laughs> and maybe not. So before you even write the content, you need to figure out what keywords you can monetize. So so the first thing you got to do is say, okay, what keywords do has an audience? Like who's searching these things and, and how much? And then you can drill down even further and say, okay, who's searching this more or less? And I actually bring that up opposite to what a lot of people probably think. I don't bring that up to say, Go after the thing that has the most search volume. Yeah. The opposite. I say go after the thing that's the most relevant to what you offer. I would way rather rank higher for a, a word that we'll just use easy numbers here. Like I would rather have a hundred people come in the door and ten people convert than ten thousand people come in the door and one person converts. So you don't have to target the thing that has the most search volume. You want to find a happy balance between what has good search volume and is most immediately relevant to the problems you can solve and the things that you offer and sell and present to your audience. Yeah. So you start there by looking at keywords. And there's a, there's a couple, you know, one way that you can look at keywords, a lot of people will, will be familiar with a tool called uh, Google Keyword Planner. And if you just search that, it's, it's another long URL. And so it'll bring that up. Now in Keyword Planner, you have to have a Google account, but you don't have to buy the ads. Like they want you to have an AdWords account, but you don't actually have to be running ads. So you can just set it up and then get access to this. Yeah. And then what it'll do is you can go in there and type in what I call gut reaction keywords. So what are the words that you think? So start with the thinks, you know, yeah, it sounds like I should, I, I could monetize <laughs> this and punch that into keyword planner. And then it's going to kick you out a bunch of different variations. Mm. And then you can go, oh, I didn't think of this one. And then it'll also tell you a range of search volume. And so the search volume will say this gets searched a thousand times a month or 10 million times a month, but don't get obsessed with the numbers. Use them as a relative comparison. So what I mean is, I don't necessarily care that this thing has 10 million searches. What I care is that 10 million is a lot more than 1,000. So I just say this is higher, this is lower. I don't look at, I need 10 million people exactly. on my website. So just use that to understand the potential return on that. Now, what you got to do after that though is go, okay, I got all these potential words that I'm going to target. Uh, There's search volume behind them. Then you got to go, who am I fighting against? Mm. And so you can, this is super easy to do this. You can go to Google, it has to be on a desktop, doesn't work on a mobile. But if you go on a desktop to Google, start typing those words in. And so you type in your key, one of the keywords that you found, and you want to look at two things. The first thing that you want to look at is right below the search bar after the search results pop up. Is this going to tell you how many other websites show up for that word? You know, how many hundreds of thousands, how many millions? Most of those will not be your immediate competitors, but from an SEO perspective, it doesn't matter because they're in your way. They're on page one, so they are competitors. So the first thing you want to look at is how many of those sites you're fighting against. So search a couple of your terms and see which ones have more competition and which ones have less. If it has more competition, that means you that doesn't mean you don't target it. It just helps you set expectations of, okay, this is going to be a quicker win. This is a longer term win. But this one has way more search volume, and so it's going to have a bigger payday. So maybe it's worth the long-term strategy. Yeah. Then the last thing that you look at is who shows up in those results. So you may not have a lot of people that show up, but if you're in retail and the first two people are Amazon and Walmart, your best chance is number three. So you mm -hmm. got to pay attention to not only the quantity, but the quality of the people you're fighting up against. That's that's super interesting. And you know, while you were talking about this, another question uh, stemmed out of it because I mean, there's so I, I love it. I love the whole like strategic. Uh, yeah. Be, before before we go into SEO. that, before we go into that question, I just want to highlight that 
the amount of research that it comes to this. Oh, because yeah. Not just with the SEO strategy, but the, with the content that goes around this that supports your... Mm -hmm. the. I feel like it's the foundation of your website, right? It's the foundation of that online business mm -hmm. that it, you can start making it really, really strong to support all the traffic and the questions and, and, and the value that you ultimately are going to provide with the solutions that you give. Because a lot of people think, okay, if I'm going online, right, is a, is a fast win. Is a fa And it, the more that we dig into this, the more we dig into not just content, but uh, things like SEO, like what we're talking about today, the time and the strategy that it takes is going to have a, a massive payoff only if you stick to it with a consistency and execute like following what Damon is, is telling you right now or telling us right now and he's going to share with you guys on the on his workshop. So I just wanted to highlight that because a lot yeah. of people that online is a quick way and uh, the more we play this game, the more we find out more about this is as far as possible as a quick game if you do it right. Yeah, and and before I forget, before we get to the, the other question, um, I want to come uh, after the question. I also want to make sure we come back to okay, what do you do with those key? Yeah. Now that you know your keywords, how do we do content? Because you had asked about how we do content, but you know, you bring up a good point about the the strategy. I think a lot of people get confused and they say, well, SEO SEO does take time. Like it's not it's not that SEO was hard. You just have pay, you have patience and do it right. And so yeah. what's interesting is, yes, paid ads can be faster. But here's the here's the thing that I think a lot of people look at backwards is they say, well, paid ads is easier. It's less maintenance. SEO, you're always doing, you know, doing things. I think it's the total opposite. <laughs> I think with SEO, you front load a lot of your efforts. You put in a lot more time up front. But after that, it's like maintenance mode. Yeah, I don't have to check my ads every day. Yeah. I don't have to see which ads conversions tanked. I don't have to look which one had ad fatigue and just dropped off the map. Like I don't have to check these things daily. I certainly check them frequently, but not daily. Yeah. 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 No, I I, I agree. It's putting that effort in front, and then I mean I'm not gonna say the passive income, but <laughs> I feel like it's as passive as it can get once you once you get something good going on, right? Um, and that that leads to my next question, right? Is so say I do my this whole research, right? I see my keywords, I see my competition, I know what I want to talk about, I have I you know, I have everything ready. If I actually produce a really well-written good article, how fast can you expect to rank? Like or when? Like what is is there a time frame? Does it happen randomly? Um I'm pretty I'm pretty curious about that. It's going to depend on your industry because it, it's, you know, there's a market cap, there's a market demand, and that demand varies wildly, and the amount of competition mm. varies wildly. So just like we said, when you're researching keywords, is there a million other sites that show up or a hundred billion? Yeah. So that is certainly a big factor. And then also the timeliness of it. So with the Olympic example, you know, does something about a, a, an Olympic athlete that just happened 10 minutes ago and you hurry and write an article that's more relevant and so it's going to rank faster i can actually give you a, a, a fun story that also ties into you saying passive income so when i was first starting my agency when it was just like it was probably actually the year before i started my agency and i was still experimenting so my wife was watching the bachelor and it was the season finale and she says babe you need to come watch the season finale and so i go in <laughs> and i'm watching this bachelor and so out of, you know, she, she reels me in on, on these season finales a couple times. And at the end, they say, hey, everybody, that's the end of the season. And next next season is this guy named Andy Baldwin. And I thought, well, that's weird. I don't remember them saying who the next guy was 
in the previous season finales. I just remember saying, that's the end, come back in however long, you know, a couple months. And so I said, I want to go see why. So I went and looked up this guy, Andy Baldwin, and he was this um, Navy, Navy guy and didn't have a lot of information about him. He had his own website. And I thought, well, that's super weird because... I don't really care about The Bachelor, and if I'm already looking, just imagine the people that do care about The Bachelor. Yeah, exactly. So I told my wife, I said, I'm going to be in here for like an hour or two, and <laughs> and I was like, I'm going to throw together a website. So I went and found anything I could find about this Andy Baldwin guy. I'm sure MySpace was part of it, and I got pictures <laughs> from his MySpace, and, and just like whatever I could find, and I built AndyBaldwin.net. I put in like 90 minutes of time. Within days, it was number one. And wow. you better believe this guy was on all the late night shows. He was on the news. And so anybody that searched Andy Baldwin, my site was showing up. Wow. And so I put AdSense on there and I was just killing it. 90 minutes and I made thousands of dollars a month. I didn't do it. I mean, I probably updated every once in a while after that, but like wow. it's because it was timely. I solved the problem. I answered the the demand that people needed to learn more about the Sandy Baldwin guy. And so, yeah, I mean, it, it largely depends on your your market demand and then the timeliness. So it, there is no one answer yeah. for that one. What a great story. I, yeah, I love it. And it actually ties up into one question that somebody asked right now uh, that is kind of like if the algorithm kind of like saw uh, viral things or current trends and literally you, you just answered it, you know? Uh, yeah. The Bachelor guy yeah. just said the name and you took advantage of the situation. What an awesome story. I loved it. Yeah, I, I can imagine like in the back background of like oh, everything that's happening, you know, with the world, like what goes viral as far as like people are looking for. And then this army of people like SEO <laughs> just experts, like running just, like, into the computer, running to the computer <laughs> and just yeah. like creating yeah. stuff like, okay, let's capitalize <laughs> on this. <laughs> I can give you another. I can give you another funny example. So I think Andy Baldwin was was more traditional SEO, but about a year or two ago, I think it was about a year ago, there was one that was more non-conventional, and so it's called like newsjacking, where you tie into something, and you're kind of first to market, or you present your your angle or participation in a way that the media thinks you're an expert or they associate with you with whatever's trending. And so I don't do this consistently, but it's, this is kind of a fun story. Um, so do you, did you guys see, I want to say it was like six months ago, seven, eight months ago, there was a Tom Cruise impersonator and he did a Tom Cruise is running for president, run Tom run. And it was like, yes, he was like, I'm running president. Yes. You know what I'm talking about? Yes. I did see that. So there, there was this YouTube video going viral. And so it had this Tom Cruise impersonator acting like he's running for president for 2020. So when I, when I was shared it or however I was exposed to it, it had, I don't know, 200,000 views. And I thought this is definitely going viral. So 200,000 views is relatively low compared to millions and millions. It's certainly a lot, but I could see the potential of this video. And so as I was watching it, I, the first thing that I did was like, okay, let's let's find out more about this <laughs> this parody. And I went to runtomrun.com. It didn't exist. And so the mistake that these guys made is their whole thing was Tom Cruise 2020. That was mm. their website, even though the whole video was Run Tom Run. So I mm. bought runtomrun.com, redirected it to a page on seonational.com that said, look how amazing this video. You know, we didn't make it. I didn't make any claim on it. I was very transparent, but I said, if you want, you can now see the demand in internet marketing. Look how this video got you to this page. And so I was able to funnel some of that, siphon off some of that traffic. Amazing. And I, I spent 10 minutes on that page. Wow. And I think it ended up bringing like 
100 visitors a day for when that thing was peaking. <laughs> wow, that is that, that's amazing. Knowing Fonzie because like he gets like these waves of like craving of knowledge. Like, I gotta go. I gotta go. <laughs> he is gonna spend the next four days in your workshop learning everything that we need to know oh, yeah. from you, so he can go do new jacking. <laughs> yeah, man, that that is such a cool story. That's amazing. Dude, Damon, this has been an absolute pleasure. Wait, wait, wait. I have oh. one more question. I have one more question. Uh, well, there's uh, actually we two got, more questions. We got to talk about content too. I know I, uh, we got it. We got a few more minutes. We can uh, try awesome. Let, awesome. Let's make it happen. So my, my next question is going to be, you know, like with the rise of video content, <laughs> right? Um, I mean, it's growing incredibly. And now sometimes when you search something on Google, uh, some of the top searches are actually YouTube videos, right? How does that like, How does that influence SEO? Should you include it on your website? What should you do with it? Um, if you include video, does it does it help in any way? Um, I I know nothing about this, but I just seen it in certain pages, and I just I'm curious about it. Yeah, there's there's a couple of things we can talk about. So. Um, YouTube is largely its own algorithm. Uh, Google obviously owns them. So uh, I believe at the last statistic, if you consider YouTube a search engine, it is the second largest search engine mm -hmm. behind Google. So it's huge. Now, there's a couple things you can do with videos. So as you said, um, it's certainly increasing in popularity and it's becoming more present in search results. Here's, here's the trick you have to balance, though, because when you load a video to YouTube, that's not your website. That's YouTube. Yeah. And so when they go to that, you have few options for call to action. You know, you can watermark your video, you can put it in the description, but there's still that big possibility that they're going to click on another video and go down a rabbit hole and you can't change that. Yeah. So the, the way that you try and balance that is that there's a couple ways you can load video. So obviously you can load it to YouTube or you can load it directly to your website. Here's the advantages and disadvantages. The advantages to loading it to YouTube are that it's universally friendly. It's mobile friendly. It's device friendly. YouTube is incentivized to make sure that video shows on any platform. If you load it directly to your website, it may not be mobile friendly. Yeah. It may not be device friendly. Like if you load a .mov file off of your iPhone, it may not play on some Windows computers. So, but it's your website, it's your asset, it's your video. So the way that I approach the balance is I do load the videos to YouTube, but then I embed it on my content page. Now here's a couple important things to understand is I don't embed it on the top, I embed it on the bottom. And the reason why is because ironically, for as much as Google says have good page speed, YouTube kills page speed. Mm. YouTube and, and Google Maps, when you embed those two things, those are always one of the top two things that slow down a website. So when you put it at the bottom of the web page, it allows the majority of the page to load before it starts tripping over itself. Okay. And so that way you can kind of minimize the damage of a slower page speed that way, but then still get the content on your page. Now, a bonus, if you have a WordPress website, there's a plugin called Video XML Sitemaps. And so what that does is when you load the, when you embed the video on your WordPress site, then hopefully you have what's called a Google Search Console account. And if you don't know what that is, it's a way of connecting your website to Google. And so anytime you update content, it kind of pings Google and says, I have a new page, here's where my content is. Mm. So by if you have a WordPress plugin and Google Search Console, if you have a WordPress website and Google Search Console connected, and you install this video XML sitemap plugin, then every time you embed a video, it pings Google. And it says, hey, we have a video. 
Yes, it's over on YouTube, but we've embedded it on our content page and in, interconnect them as much as possible, give me as much value as, as potentially possible. And then the other beautiful thing about that is you can potentially have a greater footprint on search results yeah. because you have this well-optimized page with good content and the content's diversified because not only do you have text, you have video at the bottom. And so then when you type in your word and you show up number one, your video is also number two. And so mm. you can have a larger monopoly on your results. So there's some advantages and disadvantages to video. Um, I think the last tip I'd give on video is take the time to run it through a transcription program. Um, I use Descript. There's another one. I can't remember the name of it. There's plenty of them. You just drop the video in there and it'll translate it for you. And so let's say you did not write an article, but you did do a video. Turn that video into an article. Transcribe it. Polish it up. Correct the automated transcription errors and make it into an article, then make a post on it so Google can read the content and put the video in there, then you can kind of have the best of both worlds. Wow, yeah, that's yeah, mind-blowing. If, if you ignore the rest of the episode, just the last like five minutes. Which I hope you did not ignore exa- the rest of exactly. the episode. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, go back and listen again. But just this five minutes where, and we're like completely, in, and if we're looking down it's because we're taking massive amount of notes because this is fascinating. Yeah, uh, I mean, I think it, in a way it's fascinating for us, obviously, because we work with a lot of video. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, like I just I find it fascinating. Uh, of course, like Google has been developing this whole thing for a very long time. Um, and you have to be so intentional about it, whether you go writing, whether you, whether you go put a video on your website. Um, I find it super interesting, super cool. I cannot see it like... As a game, you know, like research your competitors, see how <laughs> yeah. you can beat them, and then create this awesome uh, content, put it out there. That That's amazing. I love it. So, yeah, I mean, th- th- yeah, again, mind blown. What is something, I, I have another question too, but maybe I can, I, I can put two questions in one. <laughs> what has been, yeah, yeah, I'll do that. So what has been some of the biggest mistakes that people starting in this journey do and how can they avoid those mistakes? And that ties down to my next question, which is what is an action point that people can do now other than going to your workshop because everybody that's listening or watching <laughs> should go there for free. Um, to, what's that action point that they can take today to move them further along in their SEO journey? Yeah, we can kind of combine those together. So the the biggest mistake that I always see is just not having the patience with SEO. That's why it's really important for me to educate the the customers and educate my clients because the the more that I can communicate to them the process and the better I can establish their patience and their willingness to contribute and answer questions and approve content, then the, the quicker we can make things happen. So you have to have realistic expectations. And it's really interesting uh, over the evolution of, of you know my career because when I first started, SEO was the new thing. And so SEO was the shiny thing. And so everyone was in on it now. And so it's kind of funny because SEO hasn't gone anywhere. I mean, if anything, my business increases every year, yeah. but it's not it's it's not the shiny thing anymore. ClickFunnels <laughs> yeah. is the shiny thing. Facebook ads is the shiny thing. And so some people uh, think like, well, does SEO even work anymore? And and so they're they're so detached from it that they don't realize it's it's the same thing. It's still good content, good user experience, and you have to have the patience to, to put that out. And like the simplest way to explain patience and why you need it is is there's logistics behind the time it takes to research keywords. 
you can't just snap your finger and have keyword research done in 10 minutes. Then when you do your keyword research, there's logistics behind how long it takes to write the content around it. Then there's a time frame to publish it and a time frame to distribute it and a time frame for Google to see it and a time frame for Google to shake up its algorithms and go, okay, we see this new thing. What do we want to do with it? It, it's people don't tell you it takes a long time because they want to take your well some of them might want to just take your yeah. money and run but <laughs> but the, there is a realistic reason why good seo takes time yeah so if you don't have the, the cash flow and the patience to do it then don't do it because unless you give it the right amount of time it's just not going to work so with that being said um, let's kind of get into content and, and how they can start and research. You know, we talked about researching keywords. And so now let's talk about how they can take that keywords and then figure out a content strategy. So what you want to do is after you get your keywords kind of locked in, I'll give you another free tool. Um, there's two things you can do. One thing you can do is again, simply go to Google. So you know how if you go to Google and you start typing out, like I want this thing and then, and then it pops out autocomplete and says, yeah, yeah. what do you want the red thing or the green thing or the blue thing? <laughs> That is Google telling you exactly what your customers search. They are saying, well, historically, Damon, because you started typing this, 5 billion other people that have typed that wanted one of these 10 things. So chances are you probably do too. So that is confirming to you the search demand behind a keyword. So you can start there and look at what some of the autocomplete suggestions are because that is your audience. Now, another thing with the same concept is a free website called AnswerThePublic.com. AnswerThePublic will take you know, data from places like that, but it gets more specific and it creates this really cool visual chart. So you can type in your keywords after you've done your research, punch them in one at a time, and then answer the public is going to give you this chart that says the who, what, when, where, and why of your keywords. And it's amazing because I'll give you an example. When I was working with um, the team store, the Utah Jazz's retail division. So we said, okay, how do we, how do we tap into what the buyers want so their buyers were people that wanted to buy jazz jerseys jazz hats jazz merchandise so we said okay the star players are currently donovan mitchell the star players historically are carl malone and so we would go to answer the public and type in donovan mitchell carl malone and so the funny example was with carl malone one of the things was when did carl malone die how did carl malone die Carl Malone isn't dead. So <laughs> what, we could, what we could do with that is that tells us that the audience wants to know and we can tie that into our products. So then you could create a post that says, you know, ha ha ha, here's the 10 funniest myths that we're going to dispel uh, about how Carl Malone died. None of these are true, but yeah. aren't they funny? Yeah. Buy his thing while you're here. <laughs> so you can directly tie in to exact, like you don't have to guess yeah. what your customers want to know. You can immediately solve their problem. Yeah. That's awesome. Is there actually, I'm curious, is there an approach of, you know, like let's say we, we already know our audience, right? We know what they want, kind of like the topics that they want to discuss. And we is there a, a way that I come up with the topic, then I, then I go to answer to the public, do some research, and then kind of like know how to frame it to pretty much present it in, the, in an appropriate way for Google? 
Well, not not so much that way. You might be able to figure out ways to extend your content. So you might say, okay, I know my I know my customers want to know that this thing, and I answered their questions, and then go to answer the problem and go, oh, there was one more thing I could clarify too. So you might be able to extend it. But I think what's probably a better answer to what you're trying to get at is go look at what's already ranking. Yeah. And so when you go to Google and type that thing in, what you'll realize is, is th there's two important things we can talk about. One is that can your product even rank for that? Because a lot of the time I'll have a client that comes in and they says, well, I really want to rank for X, Y, and Z. And then we'll go type in X, Y, and Z. And it's like something totally different. And so what that says is, you know, they, they may not be wrong. My client is probably not wrong. That is related. But there's just that many more people that are searching for that other thing. Yeah. And so yeah. Google finds that the better answer. So the first thing I would do is, is say, can I even rank for this? Like, does Google associate that to my industry or product already? Mm. Now, assuming that they do, then what you can look at is how extensive is the content that does rank? How good of a, how, how clearly do they answer the questions? How concisely does it give value? Yeah. Because then you're, you're, that's a way to look at, okay, what are you up against? How can I provide the better answer? How can I format it in an easier to digest way? Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. That Gu is guys, absolutely again, fantastic. Go back, re-listen to the whole episode and then immediately go after Damon's workshop. So Damon, where can we find you? Where can we find your, uh, your workshop? How can we connect with you? And then right after that, I have one last question for you. Only if I can ring the cowbell one more time. Oh, yeah. Uh, two more times if you want. Yeah, let's make it happen. So, yeah. I, I appreciate the chat, guys. This has been fun. So the workshop is damonburton.com slash workshop. It's D-A-M-O-N-B-U-R-T-O-N.com slash workshop. Um, I'm active on LinkedIn and Facebook. I am not on TikTok, so <laughs> don't look for me to be dancing there. Uh, Facebook and LinkedIn is where I'm at. We were just about to challenge you to a dance on a dance of, yeah, no, well, well, talking about dancing and <laughs> talking about dancing and music at the beginning, you know, I told you, hey, I'm gonna challenge you to play a song in the guitar that you have in the background right there, and you said you had a you had a fun story about it. Yeah, yeah. You, you so you want to how long I've been playing the guitar? Yeah, yeah. Any guesses? Uh, Zero days. <laughs> <laughs> well, you guys have something in common because Fonzie has also a guitar on his room or hat. I don't know. but well, no, I had one, yeah, and then I gave it away. And gave it away because he didn't play it. <laughs> so you guys have that in common Here. for sure. <laughs> Here's how, here's how it got that you can't see off screen, but I have I have a little one for my boys, too. And so when the virus thing started happening, I thought, well, you know, I'm not too worried about business, but chances are it might slow a little bit. So I've always wanted to pick up an instrument. Uh, I've been musically inclined. I did radio for seven years. Maybe now's a good time to learn with my kids. Dude, total opposite. Business has just exploded. I mean, I think in the first 10 days of June, we did the entirety of what we did in May. Wow. And so, like, when that arrived in Amazon, that's where it sat. It <laughs> sitting there for like three months. Now it's a beautiful hey, decoration uh, in the office. Hey, you, you did pick up the guitar and then just put it back in that corner, and that's about it, you know? Yeah, yeah. so I picked up the guitar, yeah. Literally picked up the guitar. I loved it. Dude, Damon, the last question here that we ask every guest, and uh, this might be a little d different uh, no. answer. I don't know. I'm sure. Yeah. We'll see. Um, where would you be if you did not publish? If I did not publish? Yes. Is, is this an open-ended question? Like, like, 
like literally publish my book? Oh, publish? Oh, no. Where <laughs> will you be if you did not publish? So we talked about content and again, bring it to, you, we can bring it to the SEO world, right? I mean, I mean, we can bring it to the beginning, right? To that, the beginning. That you say you were a car enthusiast and you were, you know, and then you, I'm guessing you were publishing articles about that. Or anything, any if, type of if content. If I never, okay, I'll take it. I'll, I'll take it back to the beginning. Yeah, I mean, if I didn't, If I didn't publish that first car enthusiast website, uh, all right, so I'll answer that two ways. Um, kind of kind of the background before that is I was always very confident that I would I would be an entrepreneur someday. But what I think is important for aspiring entrepreneurs to understand is don't feel obligated to commit. Don't prematurely pick a path. I think that is largely what's contributed to my success is the willingness to explore And so uh, the, the ability to publish the website, like I had no idea that was going to contribute to my career. Yeah. So, um, you know, if I didn't publish, what would have happened is I wouldn't have made a car enthusiast website. I wouldn't have saw I had traffic. I wouldn't have learned web design better. I wouldn't have learned monetization. I wouldn't have learned marketing. I'm sure I would have accomplished something, but that was like one of many coincidences. I, I made very, very... I made many intentional decisions, but I also feel fortunate that those intentional decisions were were able to be based on coincidences that, that planted the seed. So if I wouldn't have published that first website, I don't think I'd be in, I, I might be online, but I don't think SEO. Yeah. Wow. Interesting. Super interesting. I, I do have a per This question is for me uh, for entire selfish purposes. <laughs> I'm sorry, audience. Um, but where can I find your find your book? Um, so it's on Amazon. If you want a physical copy, you can get it on Amazon awesome. or I have a free copy. If you want to do the PDF, you can go to freeseobook.com. Awesome. Yeah, I'm definitely going to get pick up the physical copy. You know, I'm not going to pick it up and leave it in a corner like you did with the guitar. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm actually going to read it. Uh, so, yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Ne next time we meet, uh, you can hold them accountable and have some questions ready to go. Ne next time uh, we meet, we have a, a guitar yeah, dual a session, you know. Exactly. <laughs> Dude, Damon, this has been an absolute pleasure uh, sharing this conversation, man. Yeah. Again, if you're listening, if this is something that interests you to start learning to connect with Damon and his team, go to damonburton.com slash workshop yep. and sign up, uh, especially Thursday. They're talking content, but the every day, every training um, is geared to uh, get you to that success yeah. path on SEO. So I'm sure that we'll be there for a couple of days for sure. No, um, yeah. Just also because you, you're working with also really good friends. So with that being said, guys, yeah. thank you so much for tuning in to the Content is Profit podcast. Don't forget to subscribe. Hit smash that subscribe button and follow us on social media at the Beast Bros. Co. That's right, guys. And if you found this episode impactful, which I am sure you did, Don't forget to share with everybody and leave a five-star review with the cowbell.